Good evening. I am Sandy Hilton. I'm a physical therapist in Chicago, and I have the extreme pleasure of interviewing tonight Karen Litzy, Dr. Karen Litzy, a physical therapist in New York, and listeners to this program will be very familiar with her. This is the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast number 147, and I am honored to be able to ask some questions to the regular host of this show, Karen. Um, my first question for you is, how did you get started running this podcast? Okay, well, um, thank you for being the guest host today, and I guess I can thank you for having me on my own podcast. <laughs> so, um, you, like, like you said, normally I'm on the other side of, of the uh, interview process, so I hope that I can kind of get through and answer these questions um, to your liking. So let's, so how did I get started podcasting? Um, it was about two or three years ago, a good friend of mine here in New York City, he had a podcast on a, an online radio station called Talking Alternative. And he had one of the shows and he asked if I wanted to be a guest on his podcast. Um, and just talk about physical therapy. So I said, sure, no problem. And then after the podcast, the producer of the radio station said, you know, you have a, a nice voice and you seem smart. Would you like your own show? And so, you know, I, I, I kind of thought about it for about a month or so because I didn't know if I would have the time to put into a show as well as see my patients. And at the time I was seeing the home patients and working part-time at another place. And, and so obviously I said, yes. Um, and I, so I started at a, this online radio station called Talking Alternative. And I actually had to rent the space each week because it was, you know, in a professional sort of studio with the headphones and the mic and all that kind of stuff. So I did that for quite some time. And then in 2003, 13, I stopped going to the radio station because I figured out how to do it from my house where I didn't have to pay money to do the podcast. So, um, and it's no longer live. When I first started, it was live. It was a live podcast on every Monday at one o'clock. So it was sometimes a little hard to get people to come on live Mondays at one. And a lot of people had to kind of change their schedules. Now that I do it from home, um, it's a little bit easier because I can sort of work around people's schedules and we can find times to record the podcast. So it's no longer live, but it's still, um, I still roll it out every Monday. I love, I've listened to many of them. You've had some very stellar people like Dr. Um, David Butler and Professor Mosley and Adrian Love. We could just run down the list of some rock stars in physical therapy. Um, one thing that I thought you've done an exceptionally well job um, with is is bringing people in from outside the physical therapy industry. Um, what is your motivation with that? What do you, how do you think that's helping the field? Well, you know, when I first started, it's funny, when I first started, it, I, I thought, oh, it'll just be like a health and wellness podcast, and maybe I'll have some physical therapists on, and that, that could be cool, because, you know, who wants to listen to PT stuff every week? Well, as it turns out, a lot of people wanted to listen to PT stuff every week. When I was sort of going through my analytics, I'm like, hmm, the shows with the PTs are the ones that 
really have a lot of downloads. Um, so I started to get more PTs on, but still had people who are not PTs. And what I try to do is, so even if you're not a physical therapist, I have these uh, different guests on the show that are outside of the profession, but try and deliberately tie it into physical therapy. So I was at TED Med last year and heard Dr. John Crane speak. He's a neurologist in Cork, County Cork, Ireland. And he studies the microbiota and its effect on stress and how it relates to the brain. And um, he and I sort of talked beforehand. I said, is there any way we can relate this back to kind of what we do as physical therapists? And, and he said, well, yeah, sure, because everybody's stressed. And stress usually tends to increase pain and pain uh, syndromes and things like that. And so it was easy to take someone like him, who's a brilliant mind and a great researcher, and tie it back into physical therapy. But I mean, you have to look outside of your profession if you want to grow. You can't just stay in one track with blinders on. So people from other professions and other walks of life are so instrumental, I think, in moving the profession forward. I, I think that that is, is an awesome thing that we should all be aware of, for sure. Do you get many PT students or students from other professions following you? Um, I can actually answer this one pretty confidently and say, yes, there are a lot of students that, that follow this because I had Brooke McIntosh on. She's a student um, down at, in uh, St. Augustine, and she is part of the APTA's student assembly. She's part of the leadership within the student assembly. And she said after her interview that we did a couple of weeks ago, that kids in her class and people on Twitter were like, hey, great interview. And she was like, I don't even know that you listened to it. So, so I think there is a big student following and I try to be cognizant of that. And I try to have students on uh, throughout the year. And I started that right away almost. I'd say within the first year, I had students on kind of around May to talk about graduation and to talk about what they've learned and challenges of jobs. And, and so the students have been a really big part. And I think it's really exciting working with them because they're so enthusiastic and they remind you why you started your journey as a PT to begin with. So I really, I really enjoy having them on. I think they're a lot of fun. Yes, I, I think the students are the, the, the lifeblood of our profession, if you want to be very cliche about it and get all those of us um, older cough therapists um, feeling a little more enthusiastic, for sure. Yeah. One of the things that, that I've learned from the students a lot recently, Twitter is where I, I read most of their work, is talking about telehealth. And you have an interesting private practice there in New York, and I want you to describe it in a bit. But before you get to that, do you do any work in telehealth um, other than, than this great podcast? Have you ever incorporated that into your physical therapy work? You know, I haven't, um, mainly because it's just me. So I don't really have a team around me. But a couple of months ago, I did, I did sort of talk with a PT here in New York City who was doing telehealth. Um, and it's definitely interesting. They were using it... Uh, kind of along the lines of watching patients as they do their exercises, so sort of supervising exercise via uh, telehealth, which I think is really interesting. I have to say, I don't know a whole lot about it. I don't know the legalities around it. I know it's state dependent. Is that right? It is, yep, so far. 
so far. And I mean, I don't know, are people in Chicago doing telehealth? We're, we're having some um, questions needing answering from the, the legal department of what are our rights with physical therapists to do mm -hmm. that. I think, um, much like many legal decisions that haven't really been decided, they're just sort of expected that you follow something, that that's kind of that gray area. Um, but I wanted to ask you that because I, I feel my impression of you is that you're on that cutting edge of let's try this next phase of physical therapy. Yeah, um, I just I just don't know. I think I have a hard time envisioning tel how telehealth works with the patient. I think because, you know, we're so used to being sort of one-on-one -on -one with patients. And, and I'm assuming the main reason you would do telehealth would be to supervise exercise? I mean, perhaps I think, well, and I work predominantly with pain and pelvic health. So uh -huh. I can't supervising some of those exercises would work very well with yeah. telehealth. So or one is where you'd put the camera, but- um, Ooh, yeah, that could be, that could be tricky. Yeah. Tricky camera yeah. angles there. But, but maybe for encouraging people that might be having a, a really down day that mm -hmm. need something closer than email or text that they mm -hmm. can have a face-to-face conversation and get maybe even just that little bit of comfort of look there's a live person I'm talking to right so as sort of like a consult like a consult is where personally I think I might use it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. particularly people are traveling yeah. but one um, so let me ask you about to describe what your current practice of physical therapy is and then I have a follow-on question for it from a conversation that came up this week in Chicago oh. okay so. Um, so my practice is, um, I guess like a concierge model. I go to the patient, I go to their home or I go to their business or to their gym. It just kind of depends on what's most convenient for the patient. Um, so I am sort of out and about all day. I usually see between five and eight patients a day and each treatment session is an hour. Um, and my people always say like, well, what is your average age? And are you seeing people who are homebound? And the answer is no. The people that I see are not homebound. They're just people who would prefer someone to come to them. Right. Um, and it's funny, my average age is probably like 40. And that's because I do see a lot of patients in their 50s and 60s. But then right. I also see a lot of patients who are like eight or nine or 10, you know? So I see a lot of kids. And I see a lot of sort of older folks, like not older, but in their 50s or 60s. Um, and then sometimes I'll get sort of someone in the middle. Um, you know, I just wrapped up with a little girl who was eight and a half, you know, who, yeah, had some neck pain and she has a big golf tournament next weekend. And she hurt her neck fencing. That is a very precocious eight and a half year old. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's going to be the president one day. I told her parents that. She was a pretty amazing kid, very sweet. So, you know, it's, it's, so it really varies. And, and when you go into people's homes, you just get really, the thing that I like is you can actually see how the people, how your patients are living. You know, right. so I had a patient last week who he had an eight hour surgery on his ankle, came home on a Monday, went to the apartment on Monday, and was actually able to see, hmm, let's see, you know, this bathroom's not gonna work. And how are you supposed to get into a shower? Whereas if they're coming to you, you know, you can say, oh, well, just get a transfer shower bench, you'll be fine. But when I got there, I realized, you know, we have to take the shower door off the hinges. 
And yes, he needs a transfer tub bench, which we did get. And, you know, this bathroom works for a shower, but we have to use this other bathroom. Thank God they have four bathrooms on one floor. You have to use, you know, this to go to the bathroom. Or can we get downstairs right. so you can eat at the table? And how can we maneuver that? So a lot of the the stuff that's very practical for the person day to day can be accomplished by seeing them in their home. Because otherwise, you're... You know, you can kind of guess at what their home life is like, but you're not really sure. So for, for instances like that, you're able to make a change in his life instantly. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Do you carry the tools with you as you go? I'm having this picture of you now with your standard physical therapy equipment. No, 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 no. I don't carry it in your mind. And then the wrench and the screwdriver and the... No, 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 no. I, I, if, if I have to bring a band, the most equipment I'll carry is like a band or I had a patient who um, had tennis elbows, so I got one of those tools called the Pronator. So I got that so that he could use that. So I carry little things with me. You know, anything else big, the patients will get. Like I went to see him, we looked at the shower, I said, you should probably get a transfer tum bench. I came the next day, it was there. Okay, cool. I mean, they don't, you know, people don't, they don't fool around. They, they patient will get, usually will get what I recommend. Um, and, and then a lot of patients have gyms in their buildings or gyms in their offices at work. So I have full use of gym equipment, more than most PT clinics have. Certainly. That's and, and, and more space, you know, I have a lot of space for movement and things like that. And, and no maintenance on the equipment. No maintenance on the equipment. I don't have to worry about equipment or anything like that. And, you know, in some, some places you can just go in. You don't have to sign waivers. Other places, you may have to sign a waiver. You may have to add that gym to your insurance policy, which is something um, that you might want to think about. Um, but usually, it's it's really very easy and convenient. Even if, especially if you're going to the patient's um, office, they really like it because if they need to make a call or need to get their assistant or whatever, they're in the building. So they don't have to take a half an hour to get to PT. You're there for 40 minutes and then a half an hour to get back and they're out of the office for an hour and a half. It's just not, not going to work. Right. So you've, you've managed to, to set up a practice that gets rid of some of the major um, roadblocks and obstacles for compliance. I don't really like that word. It sounds like, like we're forcing them to do what's right for them. But, but there you are... Did. You mean follow through for the patient? Exactly. Yeah that um, some people have the best intentions anyway, but life can get in the way. It sounds like you're able to help them negotiate in real time ways to, to come up with practical solutions. Right, yeah, exactly. And you know, you learn how to be creative. So if they don't have weights, uh, paperweight will do, or a bottle of water, or so they don't feel so overwhelmed, like you need to get A, B, C, and D. And I'll just say, you know, if you have a bottle of water, use that or I'll bring them a band, or when we're in the house, we can figure out where to tie the band onto, because you'd be surprised. In New York, a lot of people have pocket doors, and they don't have doorknobs. Oh, right. Except maybe their front door, but it's really narrow. You know what I mean? So these are sort of logistical things that if they came to see you in your office after, I don't know, some sort of shoulder issue, and you're giving them a band, or what have you, and you say, right. oh, just tie it to a door. They may not have a door to tie it to. Or a lot of places in New York are pre-war. I mean, they were built before World War II. So, so a lot of them have original doorknobs. You can't tie them onto original doorknobs because they'll fall off. Oh. You know, 
So you just have to be very mindful of it. It forces you to be very mindful of people's spaces and what works and what doesn't. And yeah. And creative. I have this picture very in my mind now of using one of those five gallon water bottles from an office. <laughs> <laughs> doing goblet squats and no, I don't squats. do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Believe me, if I have a patient who's like squatting a five gallon bottle of water, <laughs> they probably don't need PT anymore. <laughs> or that's why they need PT. Or that's why they need PT to learn how to lift said bottle so they don't hurt their back <laughs> again or something. I don't know. Yeah, how'd you blow your knee out? I was doing kettle swings with a five gallon bottle exactly exactly um, problems you don't think um what sorry you're cutting you out a, yeah i'm there you're cutting out a little bit so go ahead and say that again um i asked you as a as a um female or i guess really anyone in new york that was a really limiting question of me how do you feel about safety going around to people's places sure yeah i get this a lot mainly from my parents um <laughs> but um i usually only will go to someone if it's word of mouth from another patient or if they're referred to me by a couple of doctors that i know and trust and i'm assuming they're not going to send me to like a crazy person and i'm send me to a crazy person who's a friend or colleague of theirs so right. that's usually um how i get patients i've i've um so i'm i'm not i'm never really worried about going into their apartments because they're coming from a trusted source um i've had a couple of patients that have found me via my website and i would obviously do like a regular google search but i would also call their doctor to perhaps get their prescription facts to me, talk to the doctor about the patient, just so that I know that yes, the patient is seeing the doctor they're say, they say they're seeing and things like that. So that's kind of how I keep uh, safe as far as um, going into patients' apartments. But for the most part, I only go to people who are referred to me from people I know and trust, so. And that's, a, that's, that's essentially how home health agencies work out. You, the times that I've worked in home health, the, the agency has done all of that work. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, it, you know it's okay. Um, yeah. But I think that's a, that's a thing. It's really no different than someone coming to the office. It doesn't matter if we're going to them or they're coming to us. We still need a, um, there's a level of trust that comes mm -hmm. with care. Yeah, absolutely. And, and especially, you know, when you're going to someone's home, like you have to trust them, but they have to trust you. Right. You know, so it's a two way street. So, you know, if you're going to someone's home, you just don't walk in and like throw your stuff down, not take your shoes off. You know, you have to, I always ask like, do you, do you want me to take my shoes off? Where should I put my jacket? You know, just being respectful of the space that you're in. Um, and, you know, I've heard from patients who have said they've had home health PT, um, I don't maybe from an agency, I'm not quite sure, but the therapist got there and got a phone call and then took the phone call and was on his phone for like five minutes. Wow. While with the patient in their home. Wow. I mean, just poor form, you know? So these are things that you just want to be mindful of. Just like even if, if you're at your place of work, like you would never pick up the phone while you're in the middle of treating a patient. 
One one would hope not. One would hope not. I mean, the well, only time yes, the only time I think I had my phone on me when treating patients was when my sister was about to go into labor. And so I would say to the patient, listen, my sister is about to go into labor. I just have the phone on me. So I know like when I have to get on a train and go to Philadelphia right. for a <laughs> new baby, you know, or if I know if I've called a doctor and the doctor's going to call me back, I'll say to the patient, listen, I'm waiting for a phone call from the doctor. If I get that, would you mind if I answered it? And you know, they're, usually they're fine. Um, but those are the, usually the only two times I will have, even have my phone on me. I just keep it in my bag and it's, you know, away. That's nice. I used to keep mine with me because I called it my mom phone in case something happened with my kids. And I sure, sure. But I don't do that anymore. They're old. Yeah. Uh, so my question, thank you very much. That That's a lot of really good information for someone that might be looking to Mm -hmm. set something like this up because I think it's a practice pattern that's got a lot of possibility all over the country not just in a um, very easily accessible city like New York yeah um, I mean you can and and you can set this up anywhere you know whatever your community is you can certainly practice in the same way it 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 doesn't matter if you are in an urban setting, a suburban setting. I mean, there are people that do this. There's a woman in Minneapolis that does the same thing. She's in Minneapolis in the right. winter. <laughs> and she still does this. So if someone in, can do sort of this home, concierge, home care concierge model in Minneapolis in the winter, I think it can be done anywhere. It can happen anywhere. Anywhere. There was a, um, a surgeon, a urogynecological surgeon I was speaking with last week that said she estimates only 10% of the patients she refers to physical therapy actually go and follow through. Um, and I asked what she felt the, the limitation was to that. And she said they didn't have time, that they were, it's a population that does a lot of multi-generational care, mm. lots of kids, lots of other people to take care of. So I was thinking of you actually, and I asked what sort of delivery model it would need to be able to help these women. And she said, you'd have to go to their home. Uh, unfortunately, it's about an hour drive from where I live because mm -hmm. of how busy the city is. But I'm gonna see if I can find a PT and point them in your direction and say, look, this is a model that might really work well for this population. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, if you, you know, it's all about finding the need in your community. If the need is there in your community and there's a gap, then you might as well be the one to fill it. Yes, I think we should. Right? That skill. So, oh, that's an excellent segue. So speaking of filling gaps, one of the other needs in our physical therapy community is really good quality education and, and access to information. Um, so we'll leave your practice for a minute and go back to the, what you've done with podcasts. Tell me a little bit about um, your current project and what's going on. Okay, so um, I am currently working on an online conference. So I did an online conference in 2013. I did not do one last year because I was in school getting my DPT and, you know, it was work. You, you, you got your DPT, what, a year ago? <laughs> last year too, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a lot of work. So I just didn't feel like I can put – I. If I did a conference last year, it would have been like a half-assed conference. 
you know, and no one wants to put something out that's not 100% and doesn't reflect their, their values and their work ethic. And that's what it would have been if I did it last year. So um, after I did the first one and I took surveys of people, attendees of the conference, a lot of people wish that there was more information on business. I had like one day on business, but people wanted more information on business. And so this upcoming conference, which is happening in April 21st, it's going to launch, <laughs> uh, fingers crossed, um, is going to be all about business. So the business of physical therapy. Um, it, it's a couple of different modules. There's a module on creating where there is one physical therapist I am interviewing in that module, and she's actually a lawyer as well. So I'm interviewing her on the legal parts of creating a business. But the first part of creating, there are no uh, physical therapists, like we were saying before, sort of interviewing people outside of the profession who are experts in their fields. That's kind of what I'm doing for that part. So there's a, a woman who's a startup consultant uh, a gentleman who's a branding expert, a woman who is a web developer and, web, and website uh, artist, uh, the lawyer, and oh, well, I might do something. I'm, I'm sort of, I have to see if I can get all the other work done, then I'll do um, a quick little segment on the creating part. And then the second module is growing, and this is all PTs and one PR specialist. Um, and, and Sandy, you and Sarah are obviously part of that growing part. So the second part is how to grow your business in, in a sustainable way. And the third module is branching out where I have a couple of PTs who are doing things outside of the traditional one-on-one -on -one care, which I think you're seeing more and more of in the physical therapy world to kind of come up with alternative revenue streams. In the right. current uh, healthcare environment, if you will, with declining reimbursement and all that stuff, it's good to have some backup plans and some alternate revenue sources. So I have a couple of uh, three PTs to talk about that. One of which was Jessica McKinney, who I interviewed yesterday, and literally almost started crying. Oh, like she's, she's like, hold it in, like hold it back, Karen. Don't start crying because she is just so passionate about what she does and, and really wonderful. And we were both a little sort of choked up at one point during the interview. She was really, really, really great. Uh, then I have a section that's just about social media. Again, no PTs in this one either. Uh, a LinkedIn uh, expert and a Facebook and Twitter expert, if you will. And nice. then, yeah, and then the last section is live and learn. This, this won't be any videos. This is just all stories written by PT owners, physical therapy practice owners from around the country on whether they had a successful moment or a bump in the road moment, shall we say. Uh, what was that moment? What did they learn from it? And what advice would they give to a PT? Right. And I have some great people uh, lined up. I th I'm, my goal is to have like 10 people, 10 different business owners, because I always find the best, one of the best ways that I learn is from other people. And so I'm really looking forward to that section in particular, because 
I think people are going to learn a lot from them. And then, then I have another little gift section, um, but that's going to be a surprise. I'll have maybe a surprise interview in the gift section. There's sort of extra bonuses from the speakers in the, in the conference. And I may have like a little bonus video there as well. So we'll see. These are things that I'm still kind of working out. Are you going to use the outtakes and bloopers from the video? You know, I, I wish I, I really, I wish I did sort of record some of those. I didn't record them and I kind of wish I did because they're always really fun, but I didn't record them. So, oh well, lost <laughs> moments. I That's good. We're all, we're all human. And, and I think that the learning from each other, part of why I love that it's videos, um, Kind of going back to that telehealth, I think that the one-on-one -on -one communication is amazing and that even just being able to see someone when you talk to them mm -hmm. or to see them talk, because then you get the facial expressions and the, the nose is wrinkling when they're laughing and you get an idea that, that they really mean and you can feel the passion of what they're saying. Absolutely. Um, and, and you also get tone and you get emotion, which you don't really get from, from text. You mm -hmm. can a little bit. Certainly not on Twitter, but you can a little bit. Uh, well, you get, get, some, you get the sense of humor instead of just the sarcasm. And ex yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I've done seven interviews already, and I'm really excited about all seven of them so far. So, I'm and I'm going to try and you know knock out the other seven this week. But yes. I, I'm 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 really excited from the the conversations that I've had so far. Uh, I think it's going to be good. It's going to be a fun conference and I think people are going to learn a lot. And the most important thing, and I said this to all the speakers and Sandy, you, you can attest to this is told everyone like you better make sure that there are actionable steps in what you're saying. You know, that right. there are things that people can do. They listen to your video, they turn off the computer and they can get to work on, on some sort of something that, right that the speakers have shared in the video. And so that's what I'm most excited about because I've, since I already seen it all, I've actually already taken a lot of these steps already. So it's really oh. exciting. See, that's why I think you're on the cutting edge of therapy. You've got the cliff notes ahead of time. Exactly, oh. I'm like cheating, I'm the cheater. No, you're <laughs> clever. You can already be implementing it. Yes, um, which I have, I have done it already. So it's good. Very nice. So how will someone hear about this amazing event? Um, we will be sending out emails and on social media on April 6th. And, uh, one thing, so there's, there's going to be three different price points. There'll be an early bird price, which will start April 6th and end the day it launches. It launches on the 21st. There's a launch price and then there's sort of a permanent conference rate. So there's three different price points. So if you get in early, it's cheaper. Um, but one thing I'm really excited about is for students, it's always going to be one price. The price nice. will never go up. So there's take care of the yeah, there's not an early bird price. It's just one low price for students and it will always be that price. Um, because I, ju I just firmly believe students should not have to pay a lot of money to get good content. And there's over like 10 hours of video content alone in this conference. Right. Um, and I just don't think, you know, it's good. It's some powerful conversations. And so I, I really think that students will get a lot, um, 
a lot from it. So I'm excited about it. Nice. So this fits in pretty well with the, the, the overall mission um, of, of what you've done in therapy with your career and the whole from, from the radio podcasts from in the beginning with people calling in for questions and, Oh yeah. Or the, the clinical practice that lets you really adjust things to the individual and then a very flexible continuing ed learning program for people that want to just get better. Yeah. You like the, the three pronged attack of Karen. Let's see. Um, I guess so. I never really looked at it that way, but you know, I just, I enjoy doing this stuff and I think it's fun and I like learning. I like learning myself and uh, I like learning more about all this technical stuff, sort of the the technical beside, behind the podcast and, and the technical stuff behind one of these conferences is it's not easy. And one thing I have to say is if anyone is thinking of doing a conference like the one that I'm sort of rolling out in April is the best piece of advice is there's no way you can do it alone. Like I have a full team behind me. I have Excellent. a project manager, a virtual assistant, a graphic designer, um, a, a website developer, and a copywriter. So, And your assistant, Kat. And Benson. I mean, it is tough. It, it's, it's a lot of work. And there's, there's, I can tell you, like, everyone's like, oh, how hard would it be? What are the odds you do this by yourself? And the odds are zero. Right. You know, that is a 100% zero, you can't do it. So it's important to note that, yes, I'm hosting this and, and the ideas are mine, but the implementation is far, far from, from me. It's, it's a whole team of people behind it, so. Very nice. Yeah. So um, final question for you really then is, where do you see this going? What are your plans in the next five years? Um, well, you know, I would like to continue to explore these online conferences and, and probably doing, um, I definitely want to get into doing smaller webinars where maybe it's a two hour webinar or a two and a half hour webinar or something like that, uh, where it's a little, uh, less work overall. Yeah. Um, and sort of condensing topics down into uh, one one sort of two-hour webinar. I think that's something I definitely want to look into is doing webinars versus big whole conferences. Um, and then we'll see. You know, I always, at, at the end of this conference, maybe a month after or whatever, I'll send out a survey link and, and see what people think. And that's what I did last time. I sent out a survey. I saw what people thought and I said, oh, okay, they want more business stuff. Check. Okay, they want PowerPoints and notes. I don't know. PTs love their PowerPoints, right? So I have that. Check. They want worksheets. Check. So I usually, I try and do as much as I can what people want. You know, not to sound like too much of a people pleaser or anything, but... You or know. just an acceptable, exceptional business person that, that <laughs> yeah. needs their customer. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so I kind of see that happening. And then I, I don't know. I don't know about five years from now. I, d I have no idea. 
maybe a year from now, private practice wise, I would love to take another PT on or maybe a yoga instructor, Pilates instructor, something like that, as far as the practice is concerned. Um, and maybe do more speaking engagements. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll get you a TV show next. I, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it, that is really difficult. I mean, I spoke at CSM this past year and I, I thought I was going to have to take like a Xanax before I go on stage. <laughs> I was like meditating outside so to calm me down so I wouldn't be all like red and blotchy and sweaty. So. But you have your, your, your ongoing um, improv career. And That's true. I am, I'm going to continue with the improv. You know what I think I'll do? How about this? I would say that within this year of 2015, I will probably take an in-person improv class. Excellent. I don't know that I'll do it at Upright Citizens Brigade because that makes me very nervous. You can come on out to Second City and do one here. Same thing. Second City and Upright Citizens Brigade. It's the same level of like super, super high improv you know they're like the two and the groundlings i might as well go to la and go to the groundlings they're like well, everybody starts somewhere and they all start in level a or whatever that's true that's true i know that's what my harris who i interviewed on the podcast last week said the same thing he's like there's like lawyers and business people and things like that so i think i'll try and do that i will try and get in on an improv class maybe excellent we'll so I'll put that. That will be my one-year goal. Okay. That sounds great. And we'll yeah. have to check back in and see how you are on that. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's fine. I will commit to that. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to you with your TV show. And, and, and instead of somebody, um, you know, a national person just giving out information, we can have someone like you giving out quality information with actionable steps that are... Um, Healthy, wealthy, and smart. Oh, good tie-in to finish off the interview. Well done. Well done. So I guess I have to say thank you for, for being a guest host. Sandy and I sort of thought about this in San Diego at the San Diego Pain Summit. And she said, oh, I should interview you. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. But this was actually not as bad as, as I thought it was going to be. So gosh, now I know what people must feel like when, they're on inter when I'm interviewing them. Well, the nice thing is because it's questions about you, you already know the answers. Conceive, yeah, theoretically, yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Theoretically, you do know the answers, but ooh, I guess it's a little nerve wracking. Um, but anyway, good segue to end out. Um, this podcast and so i'm going to go back to interview for interviewer for one so do you have anything you'd like to add sandy um no i got to ask you all my questions and i'm looking forward very much to this conference i um there's some of the topics that i know i need to get better at specifically like linkedin why does it exist and why should i use it so i'm, I'm really looking forward to that one um and a lot of the other ones but that's the one that really intrigues me the most because i know the least about it yeah, well, start with that. If you, if you don't have to go in order, I'm going to start with the one I need the most. Yeah, actually, I should. Yeah, it's not going to be like a drip release. It's just you buy the package and you can watch them in any order you want. You know, so I mean, be my first. Yay. Yeah, yeah. So they it, that interview was really good, actually. And she's also giving some great um, gifts. So she's giving yeah. some great bonus gifts that that people are really going to love. So 
patience to wade through it because I'd like a double order of that. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's going to be good. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much for letting me do this. Yes. And, and thank you for letting me get on the other end and all of you, thanks for listening. And I hope, um, I gave some good info to you all and Sandy and I would like to thank you all for listening. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.